This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. Good morning. I'm glad that you are here with us today, and uh, welcome to everybody online. We're glad that you have chosen to take this time to be with us as we worship together, proclaiming our faith in Jesus Christ. If you're unaware of this, my name is Dee Dee Bacon, and I'm the senior minister here, and it uh, falls on me to facilitate a time in which we continue on in our sermon series. Let's talk about it as we have an interaction with God's Word, dealing with the hot topics of today. And today we're addressing the issue of race, uh, the issue of prejudice, and uh, coming it from it from a biblical point of view. Uh, I know a lot of you may be surprised by this, or surprised to hear this, but uh, I have to tell you that I'm originally not from around these parts. I don't know if uh, you picked that up in some of the things that I do, and well, more importantly, some of the things I say, like contribute and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, I do want to show you something which is pretty cool for me. This is my very first uh, United States passport. You get a passport when you're a citizen, and a citizen who needs to travel internationally, although today, uh, if you don't get one of those newer fangled uh, licenses, you'll need to use one of these to travel uh, domestically. But uh, a passport, and this is my U.S. passport. This is my first one. I have another one. I had to renew it. But this is my first one, the one I, I got so I could travel, uh, proclaiming that I'm a, a U.S. citizen. Before that, though, before I had this passport, I had uh, this one. And this is my British passport. This was the one I came to this country on. Uh, this is going to be unique because no longer will it be this nice color of red. Uh, now that Brexit has happened, uh, Great Britain is no longer part of the European Union, and they will go back to their classic blue-colored passports. But this was my, my passport when I came here. Before this one, I had a Zimbabwean passport. Zimbabwe is a country in southern Africa. It's the, the, the home, my homeland, the place of my birth. Uh, Zimbabwean passport is what I traveled on from Zimbabwe to England when I moved there to, to study in, in Bible college in England. Before that, yeah, it continues on. Before that, I had a Mauritian passport. Mauritius was the country that my mother was born in. It's a small island in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Uh, have you ever heard of the dodo bird? Tell me you've heard of the dodo bird. Well, the dodo bird was in Mauritius, and Mauritius was where my mother comes from. It was an island that was originally Dutch, then it became French, and then it became English. So my mom was educated in English because it was a British colony, but then spoke Creole and French. So that was an interesting combination. And before my Mauritian passport, I had a Rhodesian passport. Rhodesia was the name of the country that's now Zimbabwe. When it was Rhodesia, it was a country that was uh, white minority ruled. And they had a system of what I would call tame apartheid. We've all heard about apartheid, about the systematic racism instituted there in South Africa. But in Rhodesia, it was more of a, a gentler version, but it was still a system where white minority ruled over the black majority. Now, that changed in 1980. There was a civil war, and that changed, and, and, and a new government was installed. And then I became the minority. I became uh, a part of the minority, the white minority that was living under the rule of the black majority. And that was quite a transition. Now, why am I telling you all this? I'm telling you all this because I want you to know that I've lived in the world where I've come to recognize 
uh, that while we're the same, we're in many ways different. Let's take, for example, my experience of how people in my family greet. I have my mother's side, which is from Mauritius, and they're all French in origin, so when they greet you, you know what they do? They kiss you on the cheeks. It's bing, bang, boom. It's like, I don't know why they do it that way, but sometimes they kiss away from you. I don't get that, and just touch your cheeks. And sometimes it's like the aunts that like to kiss you. My my cheeks would always be red. They like to really lay it on the smoochers, and you're like, lady, come on. Anyway. Then I had my dad's side of the family. My dad, my dad adopted me. He was from, from England, and he was Londoner. And the British are very formal in their greetings. They, hello, how are you? Yes, welcome. I mean, you know, that's how they do it. They're very much, very formal, very proper, and you shake your hand even when you're, you're emotional. I had my American friends and my American family. Well, Americans are primarily huggers. I don't know if you knew that. I mean, I know it varies from where you come from. Some Americans are kissers, but uh, most Americans will hug you. They like to hug, and, and so that was certain. So you imagine me, I like, grew up in somewhat of a, a British way, and then these Americans are like trying to get their arms around me. I'm like, hey, it's okay. I, I like it to do that. And then I had my Zimbabwean African, my black African friends. And in, in Africa, they, they like to greet very uh, demonstratively, and it's a lot of handshakes. And it's like slap, bing, bang, boom, ding, dang, boo. They do all this stuff with you. And then what they'll do is while they're talking, they'll hold your hand. Now think about that for a minute. How about that? You're talking to another guy, and he's holding your hand while you're talking. And you're like, this feels weird, Right? All different ways of greeting. Why? Because we're different. While we're the same, we're different. We have different cultures. We have different colors. We have different perspectives. We have different histories. We have different ways of seeing the world. We have different ways, even though we might use the same English language, we have different understandings of the words that we use, right? I mean, that's how we are. We're different. And in many times, let's just be honest, we do terribly at, at, at dealing with people who are different than us. It makes us uncomfortable. We don't know what to say. We, we feel weird. If you've ever gone to another country and you visited for a while, while the novelty of everything new is okay, after a while you begin to feel really strange and uncomfortable and, and you're not sure what to do and you're not sure how, what to say and you're not wanting to offend anybody, but you try to do something and it does and if you don't have a good guide, it just can be awkward. We don't do good at talking to strangers typically. Now, I'm saying all this to tell you this. I have traveled all over the world and I have engaged in different cultures and I have seen people in all differences. But there's one place that I always feel at home wherever I am in the world. There's always one place that I feel at home, and that's in a church, in a church of Jesus Christ. I've been to Zimbabwe, and I've worshipped with Christians there, obviously. I've been to South Africa, Africa, I've worshipped with Christians there. I've been to Australia. I've been to Singapore. That's in Asia. I've been to England. I've been to United States. I've been to Dominican Republic and, and worshipped in Spanish. And every one of these places, while there was a difference, while there was different colors and, and different languages and different expressions of worship, I will tell you this, I always feel at home there. Why? Because the truth is, is the Bible is clear that the gospel of Jesus Christ was meant to be taught to all people, to be shared with all people, 
that God's plan to make it right with humanity was no longer to limit the people of God to a, a geography or to a nationality, to a certain people group. No, His plan fulfilled by Jesus was to bring about an invitation for all people, all nations, all colors, all creeds, all backgrounds, all cultures. It was an appeal for all of them to come accept Jesus Christ as Savior and to become part of the people of God, to be the new Israel, and to be able to celebrate our unity, to celebrate what binds us together that's accentuated by our diversity, by our differences. You know, one of the things that we do, and I'm just going a little tangent here, one of the things is we bemoan our differences. We bemoan the things that we don't do or can't do. But you know what? Our limitations are opportunities for us to, to grow. Our limitations are opportunities for us to have relationships with people who bring perspectives and gifts and ways of doing things that we don't do that actually enriches us. And the church is the place where that is meant to happen. I feel at home in church because the church is clearly given this instruction. Passage of Scripture, James chapter 2, verse 1. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, and here it is, if you favor some other some people over others. I'm going to stop right there. That word, favor some others over others, that, that word, favor some people over others, is, is one word, and it literally means to be taken by the face. It literally means to make the decision on how you will deal with a person simply based on what you see on the outside, their color, their, their language, the way they dress, the way they operate. You make a decision on how you're going to treat a person, whether favorably or unfavorably, whether suspiciously or whether openly. You make that decision based on how they look. We would use the word prejudice. We would use the word discrimination. And so James will now give us an example of what this looks like to the church he's writing to, to Christians. He says, for example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom He promised to those who love Him? But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you to court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. Let me just stop there right there. So James gives an example of what I mean. Hey, don't discriminate. Don't be captured by someone's looks. Here's an example. Someone rich comes into your company, you treat them favorably. Someone poor comes into your company, you say, sit over there, stay out of, stay out of trouble. Uh, we'll, we'll keep you safe. James says, what you're doing is counter to what God has called us to do as Jesus followers. What he's saying is, hey, you need to take God's perspective. That's why he's talking about, hey, don't you know the, the poor 
live by faith and will inherit the kingdom. And the rich, well, they've mistreated you by and large. Have God's have God's perspective on this. And then he reminds them of what God's perspective is. He goes, remember the royal law. Now, why does he use the term royal law? Well, he uses the term royal law, I think, to remind us who are Jesus followers that we are to have our first allegiance to the king because we are members of his kingdom. And who is our king? Jesus. This is Jesus' law. And while we might be citizens of a country, while we might be citizens of the United States, why might we carry not this one, but this one when we travel? The truth is, is if I'm a Jesus follower, I'm first loyal to the king. And I belong to a citizenship of heaven. And that citizenship of heaven needs to then be the one that dis- determines how I will operate as a citizen of these United States. My loyalty first is the king in the kingdom of Jesus. And that then determines how I operate as a citizen of the United States. See, my faith isn't the American dream with a little Jesus in it, but my faith is seeking the kingdom of God applied in the American life that I'm living now. And he says, this is the royal law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, we've heard that before, I'm sure. But uh, throughout Scripture, time and time again, there is this teaching that if you want to summarize exactly how it is that God wants you to operate when it comes to dealing with people, then this is it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat them in the same respect that you would expect, with the same values you would, you would expect for people to treat you, how you want to be treated, how you want to be uh, seen, how you want to be given opportunity. You provide that for others. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, it's interesting that Jesus was posed a question when he had said, this is an, the, the most important commandment. He said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself is the most important commandments and a, a teacher on the, of the law asked him in, in Luke chapter 10, well, who is my neighbor? Do you remember that? Remember that story? Who is my neighbor? And what did Jesus say? What story did Jesus tell in answer to the question of who is my neighbor? Can anyone shout it out? It's called the, the story of the good what? Good what? Good Samaritan. And it's a story of a man who was ministered to by a Samaritan after two religious leaders had walked by him, he was left on the road bleeding and suffering and dying, and it's a Samaritan. Now, Jesus chooses his, 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 his characters very specifically. A Samaritan was a person that the Jews did not like, and the Jews, the Samaritans didn't like the Jews. This was a racial thing. And Jesus uses a story of one who overcomes racial prejudice to minister someone in need in order to illustrate what it means to love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 9, but if you favor some, some people over others, you're committing a sin, you are guilty of breaking the law. Now, I like how James talks right here, right? I mean, this is straight talk. This is don't be an idiot kind of thing, right? He's saying, look, if you are operating by prejudice, you are sinning, he says, and you are guilty of breaking God's royal law, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this topic has been 
a hotbed topic in the last few weeks, a topic of serious screaming and serious frustration and serious heartbreak and craziness. And as we're faced with the truth of the Scripture, many of us are asking, okay, uh, I know I'm called to live in a manner that is non-discriminatory. I'm called to not be captured by the face. I'm called to live out what it means to love my neighbor. We might be wondering, how do we do that? What does that look like? How does that operate? What do I need to do? I hear a lot of people say, how do I, how do I address the issue of racism in, these, in, in my country, in my, in, my, in my state, in my neighborhood, amongst the people I work with? How, how do I do that? How do I apply this scripture to life? Well, in order to help us with that conversation, we're honored to have Lavelle Thompson with us. Lavelle uh, not only can lead us in worship, but Lavelle can also speak the truth because Lavelle, first and foremost, is a, a member of uh, the family of God, the kingdom of God. He's a Jesus follower. Not only that, Lavelle is a, a husband, uh, he is a son, he is an uncle. He is a brother. Uh, Lavelle is a black man, and he's an American. And I want Lavelle to be here with us to uh, enter a conversation uh, dealing with these issues. Now, I heard one person say some, some, something like this. He said, you know, if you want, the opposite of shallow is not deep. The opposite of shallow is personal. Personal. Because when we get personal with something, it really gets deep for us. And today, what I want as we talk, and I told this to Lavelle, I said, look, let's, let's talk. I don't want another white suburban church having their friend, uh, a black man friend, come in and talk about racism and for us to, to talk about it and all of a sudden for us to feel good about how we're doing and really nothing else be addressed. I want us to be personal. And I want us to talk at this issue from the heart, from, from, from that perspective, which means that we might get a little squirmy, and we might get some things that we'll be like, okay, uh, I'm not sure. It means that we might have to, 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 to take a deep breath, that certain phrases or certain things that are said that are trigger statements that make us immediately think one way, we might just take, have to take a pause and say, wait a minute, while this was said, this may not mean the same thing to me as it means to whoever I'm hearing it from, right? And so we're, we're going to talk about this. So Lavelle, welcome. Thanks for coming. Yes, yeah, thank Good you. to have you here, and it's good to be with everyone online. We're so thrilled Hello by that. Online. Hello, online. Um, I'm going to just start right off the bat. Let's just get to the heart of this. Uh, I'm going to say a phrase, a statement, and why don't you just reflect on that, and I'll jump in as well, uh, you know, because preachers can't help but not talk, as you know. Amen. As yes, you know, Lord. Right? Yes, That's Lord. Right. That's right. Um, so let's, let's just address this, the heart of the matter, the heart of the matter here. To you, if I say the cause of racism, how do you, how do you respond? I would say, um, as a Christian, the first thing is sin. Sin. Sin is the cause of racism. Sin is the division between us and God. Sin. Um, that'll be the first thing. Sin divides each and every one of us, and we, own, we all have our own sin. Paul said we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Yep. Sin is the number one thing. Um, the second thing I would say to that is assumptions. Assumptions, stereotypes. Uh, and that's on both, that's on all sides. 
stereotypes, making assumptions uh, without getting to know that person, uh, making assumptions on the environment based on what it looks like without getting to know what's in the environment. Um, and then I would also just say um, the perception, people's perceptions of things is the main cause um, of racism. Mm. Those three, yeah. I think uh, we'll dive into that sin part a little bit. For me and my observation, and you know, I, I grew up in a I grew up in a culture when I was born. It was it was apartheid. It was maybe not as as crazy as it was in South Africa, but it still was. Yeah. And I noticed that one of the motivating things: why does another human being treat a human being different to himself, herself, badly? is fear, absolutely afraid, afraid yeah. of loss of something that we have, afraid of, of not uh, knowing what's different, afraid, uh, being afraid of whatever. And I think that, that is sin as well, right? Yes, I yes. I mean, fear. Yes, fear, fear of, fear of the unknown, sometimes fear of the known. Um, I can say this, and I'm proud to say this too, I am uh, fearful of cops. Now, I do know this, not every cop is a bad cop. I truly believe that and I truly know that. Know that. But I am fearful of cops if I get pulled over in certain areas. I am fearful because of the unknown and because of what history has shown us and what history has taught, especially black people and people of color. If you look, at the, if you look down in the South and you look at what happened in segregation and stuff, um, and you see what has happened to African-Americans, black people, with the police. It hasn't always been on our side. Um, and once again, like I said, I know every cop is not a bad cop, but it does take just one of those few in between uh, to make it seem and make it fearful to where um, if something was to happen to me, as well as I dress, as good as I look, because I know I look good. I don't need your opinion, but I know I look good. Amen. But sometimes, even with that, I still have the fear of if I get pulled over, what is going to happen to me? Because it's happened too many times. And that's just one little example. But it, it is the fear of the unknown for that. Yeah, I think a lot of it... And we take a little side of it. Even in good intentions. So, you know, yes. I learned something by, okay, so I would say, Lavelle, I don't see color. I see you. Now, when you hear that, mm -hmm. you might be hearing, he's, he doesn't see who I am. My, I'm black man, and I'm proud of that. Yes. Because I dress so well. Yes. Right? But the point is, is I didn't know that. Yeah. So to me, I see you as a black man, and I appreciate that because that's who you are. That's Absolutely. a connection. But from my, from my perspective, when I say that I don't see color, I'm trying to tell you I'm not racist. I don't make that decision on that. But sometimes that's not the way it's received because that's just kind of, you know, I don't understand that until I do the hard work of having that strange conversation, maybe that awkward conversation yes. Yes. that... I have to understand that. And again, that happens because we have this personal relationship, exactly. this connection, right? Exactly. Yes, right? yes, that is exactly 
Um, everything you said, I will echo that. So, you know, um, as he said, I have that relationship with pastors. So, you know, sometimes when I do hear people say, well, I don't see color. Well, well, you should. We all got different shades in this room. Mm -hmm. um, and you should see that. It is, as Pastor Didi said earlier, it is okay to be different. It is okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but don't hate me because I'm different. Mm -hmm. There it is. There's a song back in the day that said, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. You know, so don't hate me because I'm different. It is okay to have differences, but if you base those differences just because of the color without even knowing me, mm. there's the problem right there. Yeah. So it is, yes, I, I want you to see color. There, there's white, there's black, there's Puerto Rican, there's Mexican, Mexican there's Asian, there's Latina. Uh, there, there, there's, there's the, as Pocahontas said, the colors of the wind. Yeah. It's all there. So see that, but don't assume without getting to know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think this whole, um, you know, I use the term, we, we live by stories, narratives, which we've received. And sometimes we have to challenge that. And one of the, those, but those narratives are how we learn and survive. Those narratives are, we have to, we read people. But the truth is, I really, we are terrible at reading people who are different than us. Yes. Terrible. Yes. I mean, and so it requires work. And requires maybe, I, one, one guy said it, we, I have to assume that someone else knows something I don't. And when I have that, then, then, then that makes a difference. Yeah. But we're not going to get that if we, continue, we don't have the perspective that I think Christ gives me to say uh, every person has value because Jesus died for them. Absolutely. And because Jesus died for them, they have value. And if they're a Jesus follower, they have value to give. It's, it, I can discover that value. I can receive yes. the gifts that you give from your different perspective that mm -hmm. really enrich my life. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Totally agree on that. The Bible says faith without works is dead. So being a Christian takes work. Mm. Having these conversations takes work. We kind of avoid these tough conversations and we avoid the, the political things that divide us because we don't want to talk about this. But, you know, we, we have to talk about things like this. We have to talk about certain things. And it's going to take work. It has to take work on both sides, on yeah. both agendas, on both viewpoints, both perspectives. It has to take work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what doesn't help this conversation? I mean, what, what, what feeds the fire? What, what adds to the, the already divides? I mean, because we're going to get talking about solutions. So yes. We can identify problems. Uh, another thing that divides um, and, and is the cause um, and puts more fuel to the fire um, is politics. Hmm. Ooh-wee. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Politics is an ugly thing. It's a blessing, but it's a big old curse too. Because I don't know if y'all see this, but especially on social media, boy, people do not hold off anymore. They gonna say what they wanna say. Facebook, hey, that's your opinion, go for it. But honey, people do not hold off anymore. And uh, politics divides us already as it is. And that puts race into it with politics. And sometimes you'll see with these commercials and you'll see with some of these debates and stuff, you'll see how they put race in it to divide us even more. So politics, ooh, vicious. 
Mm. Vicious. So let's talk about solution. If uh, we talk about causes of racism, let's talk about the solution, the, the cure. What's, what's the cure? So the first thing is um, remove politics. Remove anything that you grew up on that has a political view. Remove that. That would be the first thing. The second thing I would say is it is okay to ask questions. It's okay because there's some things that we just don't know. And you might have always been intrigued and like, hmm, I really wonder about that. It's okay now, do it in a respectable manner, in a loving way, but it is okay to ask questions. Third, have that conversation. Sit at the table, invite someone over to dinner, have someone on their lunch break, sit with them, and just talk about these things. These things are not easy, and it's not gonna be solved in day one, but it is okay to do that. And then third, finally, fourth, love. Love, love is the answer. Love is the key. Love your neighbor, love. Yeah. One of the things that, talking with you Lavelle about that and having those conversations, it really brought to light a perspective. So you had mentioned um, FC Cincinnati, everyone's excited about that. Yes. You wanna just explain a little bit? Now here's a perspective that I was not aware of uh, in my mind, hey, FC Cincinnati's coming in. In my world, FC Cincinnati is great. They're building a stadium mm -hmm. in, a, in downtown, as we would say out here, right? Yes. But there's a different perspective to that because where they want to build that stadium is, is a community. Correct. And it's a, it's a community of, do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, some of you might know they are building uh, the new stadium downtown for FC. Now, I've never been a soccer fan only because I never watched it. But now I've been to an FC game before, and man, it is quite exhilarating. Boy, them fans are cray-cray. I love it, though. I love it. It is great. Um, however, so here's the thing, though, about downtown, um, and many of you might have known this or if you've been downtown. Uh, let's take it a little bit back. Um, maybe 10 so years ago, when Over the Rhine was not the best place. It was run down, um, it wasn't good. Now today, it's a whole new world. Mm. Things is popping down there. But if you notice, you don't see that many people that look like me down there anymore. And that's something that we call gentrification. And what you see in FC is the same thing. Now FC is being built right next to Taft High School, which is a Cincinnati public school, but it's a predominantly black school. And what happened was when they had redid Taft, they also had built a state-of-the-art stadium for Taft High School. And they tore it down to build the FC stadium that we're going to see later on this year. The thing is though, first of all, you tore down a place where kids can play, be safe, and represent their school. And then secondly, the same thing that happened to Over the Rhine, you're going to start seeing downtown where you're gonna see people that look like me being forced out and pushed out because now property is going to be raised even higher to where we can't afford it, to where black people can't afford it, the landlords are gonna to continue to raise the property. 
and then continue to be pushed out even more, which is the whole cycle that happens. And that's something that's what is called gentrification. So it's, it's a great thing, but the way you're doing it is by pushing these people out who you do not want to be seen. And some of those people have lived there for years. We grew up down there. People have grew up down there, and now because they can't afford it, because this place is coming, you're going to push them out. So that's just one thing uh, well, that I th happens. I think the perspective is we didn't, we didn't hear it, because now, now let's put it in our, in, in our terms. You've got places. This is our homes. These are where we've lived. This is mm -hmm. what we have experienced. Yes, we are not perhaps on the upper level of the economy. Yes. But there are good people there. Now, of course, like in any community, there are people that are not law-abiding, right? Absolutely. But they're not law-abiding citizens in Claremont County. Correct. Yeah. Exactly, right? So the issue is there was, I can see how the feeling was, wait a minute, why was, is our community the one mm -hmm. that has to once again take the hit yes. and, and do that? And that, that was a perspective that I never heard of until yeah. I had that conversation with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, right? Yeah, that's just the thing. And that's, that's, the, that's the piece where we grew up and seeing that because there, and, and these, I'm not going to say everybody, but some of these landlords and property owners, they know that. So they try to buy you out or just push you out to enough to where they know you can't afford it and you have to find somewhere else to go. Mm. And that's the same that they're doing in Newport. Newport needed a change too, but the way you did about it, they're building that new concert stadium right there by the Newport Bank side, if you want to call it. Um, I don't know what you call that side, but it's, it's all owned by the levee. And years ago, it was the, they considered it the Newport projects, but there is nothing there but grass. And you pushed all of those families out. And that hurt me deeply because I worked with some of those families down there. And we lost them because they had to move to a whole nother district and a whole nother neighborhood because of this new concert stadium that's going to be put there. Not saying that it shouldn't have, but there's a way that we can do this to where people don't have to lose their homes and have to find somewhere else to live. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I think to me that, you know, solutions obviously faith in Jesus, yes. obviously transformed. But I also think we have to commit love. I have a saying, openness begets openness, right? If we open ourselves to God and we open ourselves to others, then that openness creates and it helps us see life in a different perspective. I'm not run by my agendas anymore. I'm now looking to live by God's agenda. And that then manifests itself in the personal, in the, in the way I live, in the way I operate, in the in the conversations I have at work, and the conversations that I, I won't tolerate at work, yes. and the policies that, that, that I see that are unjust. I mean, we talked about a little bit of, you know, uh, equal opportunity. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, from, our, from some white folks' perspective, where they're not getting jobs because they know they're being passed over because of a quota requirement, that breeds anger too. Yeah. Um, they know they're more, they're qualified, or at least they're not even given a chance to apply because of skin. And that, to me, that is also needs to be heard as well. I mean, absolutely, I totally agree. I, I am not a fan of where at the end of the job application, these companies uh, has to say we're an equal op equal opportunity employee. 
First of all, that should have never been anywhere near it because it should just be in your heart. If me and Pastor Didi are applying for the same job, it shouldn't be because they have to have a quota. We got to have this many black people. We got to have this many uh, 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 people of color. No, it should be on who did the interview well, who did the resume well, who, did, who had the best skills for it. Not because we're equal opportunity. What? <laughs> That's ridiculous. It should have never been there in the first place because it should have been in your heart. But see, that's what history is. And now because of that, it had to be put there to say that we're equal opportunity. Now don't get me wrong, if you have all white people in your, in your company or all black people, yeah, you might need to change a couple things. <laughs> yeah, please. But it shouldn't even have been there in the first place. It should have just been in the heart of people to not discriminate based on the color of their skin mm. on both sides. Mm. So future companies remove that. I don't know if it's a law, but it's a law. Is it a law? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's okay. Okay. All right. Sorry. Let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, let's talk about Lavelle. Let's talk to what would you say to your white brothers and sisters uh, in the church? Last word. Give us a word. I would say this. One, again, it is okay to ask questions. Two, love. Love before you assume. Love before you have this negative connotation of me. Love, love me before you even know me. Love me before you even know me. Then get to know me. Then see how I am. Because I could, I could be, as I mentioned earlier, I dress up very nice. I look good. I am a great man, to, to my knowledge, mm -hmm. hopefully. But many of you don't know me outside of church. I could be a bad man outside. I'm not. Please grant that. I'm not. <laughs> But just because that I dress nice and stuff, you could have already had an assumption about me. Oh, he's a nice one. So what I'm saying is remove that barrier. Remove that and just love me first, get to know me, and then we go from there. It's that easy of just having that step. Take that step. Do not say, I love God, but you don't love your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Do not say, I love God, but I don't love my neighbor. Do not say I love God, but you show hate to someone who does not look like you. Do not. That, is, that would be the biggest thing. Don't say that you love God and you don't you love your neighbor because then you got to have a reality check with yourself and see, okay, what, what, what am I actually doing wrong? Don't, love, don't say you love God, but you don't love your neighbor. That's what I'm saying. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.